Hi, I'm Ambika Gautam Pai. I'm a writer and the chief strategy officer of an ad agency called Mechanism. I'm a mom of two little babies and the sort of person who just cannot stop thinking. You are listening to Corner Office Breakdowns, a podcast that reconciles humanity and the workplace. Here we dive into conversations that usually happen in whispered tones or behind closed doors and bring them to the center, contemplating and breaking down the way leading and living have historically been done and rebuilding them together. Corner Office Breakdown sits at the intersection of business and leadership, equity and emotion, parenthood, womanhood, personhood, and as crazy as it sounds, the meaning of life. All of the guests you will hear from are people who have fundamentally changed my outlook. They may shift yours too. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you like this podcast. I hope you love it. I hope you share it. And I hope you subscribe. Today, we are talking to Stephanie Redlener. Stephanie is the founder of Lioness, a feminine leadership collective for executives, founders, and creative catalysts who are ready to play by a different set of rules. She is an executive coach, speaker, and teacher of feminine intelligence, which centers around somatic body wisdom, pleasure, and intuition as strategies for success. She is the founder and host of the Lioness Behind Closed Doors dinner series, master coach for Mama Gina's Pleasure Coaching Certification, and co-creator of the soon-to-be-opened retreat center, Akira, in upstate New York. Here we are, episode one of Corner Office Breakdowns. Corner Office Breakdowns was born from the depths of maternity leave with my second child, uh, probably in September of 2022. And it's been a long time coming, this concept of leadership and really understanding what leadership means today, what it has historically meant, um, and how it needs to evolve in order for us to see new types of leaders come into the mix. Um, Diverse leadership is something we all hear about every day in our corporate jobs. And yet, if we don't change the way we think about leadership, if we don't dimensionalize beyond the white patriarchal lens of leadership, we will never be able to truly achieve diverse leadership. So this podcast, um, and originally this newsletter, was really meant to analyze the state of leadership, the state of business, and look at them both through the lenses of equity, womanhood, parenthood, mental health, um, to really dimensionalize how leaders show up to work to create the space for new types of leaders in the future. When I was in my senior year of college, I was sitting in a um, a marketing capstone, and we had just all taken our Myers-Briggs assessments. And of course, the tool has been very critiqued since then and should not be used as an end-all, be-all indicator of anything. But at the time, it was 
uh, a way of indicating different paths and different courses our lives could take. And I ended up, I think at the time I was an ENFP. Um, and we know Myers-Briggs evolve a little bit over time, but for the most part, I, I feel like I still occupy the same space. And the professor of this class called me out specifically. I was the only ENFP in the entire class. And he said, See, take Ambika here, for instance. She could never be a leader because she is far too emotional. She would never be able to make the right decisions for a business because she would default to making the right decisions um, by way of the people. And he basically said, and she'll cry all the time. (laughs) And that was such a defining moment in my life. And it was an insecurity that I carried with me for years and years and years and and honestly still carry with me to a certain extent today, that I am too sensitive to be a leader, that I am too people-oriented to be a leader, that I, you know, think about things in a different way than other leaders have historically thought of things, and therefore I'm unfit. But as I have climbed up through the industry, and climb is a weird word, but as I've been able to, you know, ascend through the advertising industry, I actually think a lot of the aspects of my personality and identity that were considered weaknesses have been some of my greatest strengths. And they have allowed me to think about leadership and behave in leadership in a way that feels deeply authentic to who I am. Um, And it wasn't always this way. I would say when I started off in my career, I was very influenced by other people, their styles, um, the way they held themselves in rooms. And it was not me. And during those days, I made a lot of mistakes and I did things I regret and I said things I regret and I, you know, potentially hurt some people. And that was all because I was trying to be somebody who I am not. And I was trying to be like the leaders that I saw before me who had come before me. So corner office breakdowns in this episode in particular with Stephanie Redliner is about thinking about leadership in a different way. It's about allowing the feminine energy in us, whether we identify as male, female, or neither, or both, um, allowing that feminine energy in us to balance the masculine energy that we most often see manifested most in leadership. That lesson for me has been consequential in how I navigate my life. And it felt like the only appropriate starting point for this new journey I and we are about to embark on together. And I hope it changes your perspective on what it means to be a leader and who you see as leaders in your life and in your work. Let's get into it. 
Steph. Hi. Okay. Thank you so much for being here and doing this with me. It like really helps me feel more comfortable. And Richard, you too. Um, So Steph, you and I met in like 2016, I think. Yeah. Long ass time ago. And you were my first executive coach. And I was working at um, a tiny company. It was my first like real leadership role where I was truly accountable for the state of the business and kind of the state of the people. Um, And I had no idea how to be myself at that job until you came into my world and really helped me understand my own strengths and how to bring that into a professional environment. So um, no pressure, but I really (laughs) attribute a lot of kind of my understanding of leadership and my ability to tune into my own style and my own version of leadership to our time together and our Mm -hmm. continued relationship. Um, And since you have gone on to do that for many, 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 many others. Mm. Um, And so what we're here to talk about today is really this tension of seeing more and more women in leadership, but we're not really seeing more and more women lead through the feminine. Um, We're seeing women kind of follow the models of leadership that have come before all of us, which are, you know, pretty masculine. They are normally white centric, very monolithic, um, all of the words you'd think of, right? Ambitious, aggressive, uh, loud, take up space, like lean into the table, all of these things that were literally ingrained in us coming up in our careers. Um, and how we want to work together to dismantle them. Because if there's one thing we know, it's that you cannot be a leader if you're constantly having to think about the way everyone else would do things. That's just overwhelming. You're making thousands of decisions a day. People are relying on you. And so at some point you need to lead from within, um, allow your intuition to play a little bit more of a role and your instinct to play a little bit more of a role. Um, and from my understanding, that is your life's work. And that is what you are so amazing at helping people and women in particular do. So to start off, can we just talk a little bit about feminine leadership? Absolutely. Um, so as you said, it's something I'm so passionate about. And I just want to say it's an honor to be here and talk about this topic. I think there needs to be so many conversations around this because it's confusing times. And I think we're all feeling men and women and everyone that we are feeling the, the pain of this imbalance in our world. And um, so being able to open this conversation and have this really important conversation just feels really good and important. And so I'm so glad to be here. Um, Feminine leadership, you know, I really, so part of my work and my passion is really helping women uh, learn to trust themselves and be themselves so they can lead from their authenticity, from their truth, um, and help bring new ideas to the world. Um, Whether they're in a Uh, Fortune 100 company, or they're starting their own company, everything in between, right? How do we start to um, understand who we are so we can lead from a place that's really um, like truth-telling 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so feminine leadership is how do we start to acknowledge and understand what it means to be feminine? What are some feminine qualities? What does it mean to take care of ourselves? And, and how do we lead from that place, right? I think we see and we know there are so many kind of women in leadership that are right. cutting themselves off from the neck down to mm-hmm. make it in a system that was not built for us. Right. And so how do we um, rebuild ourselves <laughs> you know, reconnect with our bodies, yeah. who we are as a woman and what it means to be a woman and bring that into the workplace, into how we parent, how we lead our lives, how we lead ourselves, how we lead our teams, right? To bring a, a more feminine quality inside of these systems. Yeah. And you and I talked a lot about um, how it's not just kind of feminine in a, in a sex or biological sense. It truly is like, feminine energy, right? So within all of us, um, we're getting into spiritual territory for a second here. Here we go. <laughs> let's look right away. Let's do it. Um, within all of us, right there in theory, there is feminine and masculine energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to talk about how, you know, all of us, everyone included every sex, every gender identity, has feminine and masculine like energy within them and how we can channel and utilize both of those, um, not properly, but in a way that feels, yeah, most organic to ourselves Mm -hmm. because it feels like the world has been occupying a very masculine energy space. (laughs) The government, um, is embodying a very masculine first space, um, even the workplace is very masculine. So can you talk a bit about the energy that lives within all of us and, and what feminine versus masculine energy actually is? Yeah. And this is a, it's a, it's a complicated topic, right? Because sometimes there's men and women, there's masculine and feminine that all exists within us, right? It's a, you ask 10 people, you'll get 10 answers, but really primarily the way I look at it, is there's the masculine energy, the the go energy, the focus energy. How do we create systems and structures and that like help us achieve more and do more? And um, there are the linear brain, right? The, the how we get from A to Z in a way, you know, like that kind of structure, like mm-hmm. that feels that is more masculine um, energetics, right? Okay. And it's really what our systems were built on. And then we have what is more feminine, the creativity and intuition and flow and connection and interconnection Um, and and like nature. If you look at nature, right, like nature and that's like a that is very much feminine energy. Mm -hmm. And so it's where the creativity comes from, where joy, play, all of this other stuff. And it hasn't it's not something we prioritize in success, traditional modes of success and achievement. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. achievement and success means like how, you know, impressive is your LinkedIn, um, you know, uh, uh, profile, how much can you get done? How much can you grow? How much impact can you make? Right? Like it's very focused on kind of more of the, um, uh, quantitative numbers and facts and figures. Right. One of the most fascinating things that I've ever heard you say stuff comes right out of this idea of like what we prioritize in success tends to be the more masculine stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and through your work with lioness, um, which I want you to give us a little preamble on before you dive into this answer too. So everyone kind of gets where you're coming from. Um, you talked about how, what you've noticed is that when it comes to work culture, 
the more power we gain externally, the less connected we are to our own power. Mm-hmm. And that, that was like an arrow through my heart when you said that, because I really feel that way. Mm. Um, I feel like I have hit my professional groove. I feel like I, I finally kind of know what I'm doing at work. Like strategy has become a second language to me. I have an incredible team. We work really well together. I have great uh, partners. We work really well together, but when it comes to my own sense of power and joy and happiness, I'm whispering Mm -hmm. those into Steph's ears because I have no idea what those things are or where those Mm -hmm. come from um, at this moment in my life. But I do just want to hear from you about how we reconcile gaining power externally and traditional notions of success with our own internal power and how we can tap back into that and almost equalize the two. Mm-hmm. Big question. And okay, so I think I'll start with why I started Lioness, right? Just because that feels really relevant to the question. Um, you know, I personally, I am super career focused. I'm ambitious as fuck. I really like, I care about my success and what I do in the world and the work I do in the world. And I've always been like that. Um, although I've done it in kind of an, uh, a nonlinear way, I've always really cared about that. And when I was doing my own internal work and realizing, I hit some points about 10 years ago where I realized in um, that I was focused so much on the external markers of success, on how people viewed me, on what my resume looked like, on how much money I was making, that I was losing myself. I was treating myself horribly. I was not taking care of myself. Everything was focused on my perception of how people viewed me. And how I and really how I viewed myself on the outside, and um, I was stuffing emotions down. I was not connected to my body. I was running myself in the ground. And so when I had my own ahas about like, oh my god, like what am I doing? Right? I had like a real dark night of the soul awakening. Like I am literally mistreating myself for some some version of success that is never going to feel fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And so I was. Like I was at the time I was career coaching and I was working as a management consultant. I was working in-house and I was doing a lot of really heavy lifting strategically and working with a lot of women um, and men at the time. And I realized like, holy shit, like all of this, like, it's like as women, especially as we are going and, and working towards more power and more achievement, we're actually losing our power. Mm-hmm. We're actually disconnecting from ourselves and we're prioritizing everything else around us um, before ourselves. And, um, and so we're, it's this funny thing. It's like, okay, we're getting more better titles and more money and yet more in the system that is actually hurting us and harming us. Yeah. Because we're not able to live in a space of power in the way that makes us powerful right? Like we're not tapping into the most powerful aspects of the feminine energy in order to be successful. We're actually having to lean into more and more and more of the masculine energy. Yeah. To kind of make it in the systems that were not built for us. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I really believe one of the foundations of what I teach and what we do is like, when we feel good, that's, Mm -hmm. that's when we have the most power. 
Mm-hmm. That's when we have the most impact. That's when we get to like, just like lead from our, when we walk in the room, no matter what we say. Right. But so many of us are not feeling good, yeah. not treating ourselves. Right. And then the other thing I wanted to say too, it's, it's, it's no one's fault. Right. I just want to like acknowledge, like we're just in a system that just yeah. is like hard and we're all suffering and we're all suffering. But if we look at kind of historically the systems, when men were leading households and men were building companies and the systems that still exist today were built for men to support men. And if you look at men and women biologically and like what our bodies are, men are built on a 24 hour hormonal cycle Mm -hmm. and women have a 28 day hormonal cycle. Wow. What was built to support a man doesn't actually work for our feminine bodies. Mm. And there is something so like so much to unpack in that, um, of why we're suffering. Yeah. And Steph, just share with everyone, your new line that you have (laughs) on the lioness website, which I feel like I need to get as a tattoo. I'm going to send you stickers. Um, (laughs) Lead at your leisure. You know, we create spaces for women to wield their power when and how they feel like it. Mm. And it's very much built on the actual lionesses in the wild. And because um, lionesses are actually the most powerful um, part of the pride, they um, mm. they do the killing and they bring the food back. They raise the, the cubs um, with a community of other lionesses. So in sisterhood, and they also sleep 18 hours a day. Oh, they are ferocious and they are soft Mm. and they like take their time. And so there's something so beautiful about the model of what actual lioness, right? What we can learn from on how we treat ourselves and build our companies. So I'm, I totally understand and hear how leading through the feminine can be done while finding success in a more entrepreneurial space. Um, But a lot of us still work in kind of more standard corporate environments where naturally, you know, even, even some of the companies are go back far enough that they're fully founded by men. Yeah. And so what does it mean to lead through the feminine or in a feminine way, or just be true to ourselves as female leaders, um, in these existing companies and existing structures? Yeah. Another huge question. How much time do we have? (laughs) Um, and you know, I think too, is like, just going back to what would started just because a woman is now the CEO or a woman that is leading, it doesn't mean it's going to be built, um, in a more feminine way. Right. The, the patriarchal values that exist outside of our world are also embedded inside of us. Mm-hmm. So there's like inner work to do as well as systemic work to do. Yes. And um, so in my mind, leading from the feminine is, you know, like creating systems and structures that um, allow for, have more spaciousness mm-hmm. that aren't operating on this, like go, go, go. Um, there are, you know, even with, and I'm sure you see this all the time in advertising, how little time we have for reflection and celebration, right? It's how much it's like, oh, okay. And on to the next thing and on to the next thing, right? So it's like what we acknowledge and celebrate inside companies. There's of how we support women inside companies. So there's a lot of things like operationally and systemically that we could do. And then also it really does take some deep inner work. Yeah. 
what kind of, so for people listening right now, can you give us some examples of the inner work? I, I feel like we're at a point where many people are in therapy. God bless therapy. Um, we should all be in it forever and ever, ever and um, ever. <laughs> forever and ever. And then, you know, there's so much other work to be done. Right. And I think one thing I've struggled with specifically is I really care about doing internal work. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of conditioning that is at play nonstop in my life. I am an Indian woman. I was the first person in my family to ever be born in America. I was a girl. Um, you know, I was, I kind of was up against a lot of conflicting cultural norms, um, misunderstandings about gender, um, complete lack of conversation around anything like sexual or pleasure oriented, or even like love and dating oriented. Like there, there were just so many things that were at play. And so this internal work has been life-changing for me and, and so much of how I've been able to like even reach leadership in a way that feels most days, very authentic to me. Of course, I'm still, um, influenced by the larger narratives and norms. Um, but day to day, I'm like, okay, I think I'm doing this in a way that feels good to me for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, so what are little things people can start to do when it comes to self-work? I think that's the first question. And then one thing I would love for us to kind of riff on together and almost brainstorm is the small moves that can be made day to day at our companies for those of us in more structured environments that can start to bring that feminine, flowy, creative, joyous energy back into the workplace. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, so let's break that down first, starting with internal work, right? Inner, like whether it's therapy, whether it's a coach, whether it's a program, whether it's your friend, right. Starting to, whether it's a, you know, looking online, doing really the work to start to look at what are the beliefs that were passed on to me Mm -hmm. and what that, and what are the ones that I want to hold true, right? Where, where am I holding shame? Shame's really fascinating. Oh my gosh. Yes. There's so much, where am I shame? And like, what's underneath there, right? So starting to look at the sort of shadowy parts of yourselves, the beliefs that were passed on to you. So you can start to become empowered on your choices, Hmm. you know, without doing the inner work, we just get the beliefs that were handed down to us from our parents, the beliefs that were handed down to us from the the cultures that we grew up in. Yeah. From our bosses, from our bosses, from the work environment. We just get sort of like, you know, uh, subconsciously handed them. And like, if we don't actually look at, is this true for me? Is it, do I believe like, you know, coming from your culture that men, uh, the women are submissive to, to men. Is that true for me? Right. Like, and so, or whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, do we, do we like still believe them? Yeah. Um, so, so like one is that, yeah. Um, so that's like what I, I really value in doing inner work, looking at the kind of mindset and beliefs, um, there are emotions, Mm -hmm. emotional work, right? Where, what emotions am I, I stuffing down? Emotions are a big topic that women have been uh, penalized for Yes. either don't cry at work 
or uh, angry bitch, right? Yeah. We have two kind of norms, like weak crier and angry bitch. And like, we need to rewrite that narrative. Yes. But it starts with learning how to build and feel our own emotions mm. and get right with them. Um, there's a lot of power in them. Yeah. And there's a lot of power in expressing them in the workplace. And, you know, people feel all sorts of things about the content that I've been putting out in my newsletter, Corner Office Breakdowns, now in this podcast. Yeah. But the newsletter was literally like destigmatizing emotions in the workplace. Like, why have emotions been the things that we need to grapple with, like behind closed doors in our homes or in the bathroom stalls of our offices? Yeah. When actually, especially in advertising, like our entire work is about connecting with people emotionally. We are the ones with the access to a megaphone that can really make people think, make the masses think and make things change. And feel and make the yes. feel. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah. And so the fact that emotional expression has been precluded from the workplace, that, that I will never understand. Yeah. And that to me is, is part of what I believe to be my life's work is if you want to fucking cry in the middle of the office, because you just found out that your mom has cancer, or if you want to fucking cry in the middle of the office, because you just had a miscarriage or, you know, this project you've been working on for a year, even if it's work-related, all of a sudden they're like, ah, oh, we lost our production dollars. Like, sorry. Yeah. Why is that a bad thing? Yeah. Why does that make people feel so uncomfortable? Well, we're suppressed. Everyone's suppressed in their emotions. So watching, seeing someone feel big. Yes. It's like a full mirror into like, oh, like, what am I suppressing inside myself? Like we, we haven't, we don't know how to sit and be with emotions. And and this is like a huge territory and thing that yeah. I do a lot in my work, right? It's like anger. And we also don't know how to process and use them to our advantage, right? We're so often bottled up with them. So it's like when we get angry, we lash out. Yeah. Actually behind anger, behind rage, there's boundaries, there's passion, there's things, there's really, really beautiful things inside the emotion of anger yeah. that bypass or we don't know how to like this. So you know one of what can companies do? I mean this is one of my dreams. It would be amazing if like companies had this like private room where you could go feel your feelings and then be like, and now what? Right. And now, Mm -hmm. right. So like, how do we channel them? How do we use them? Same Mm -hmm. with grief. Grief is Mm -hmm. about love where there is grief means you love something. So if you, if you're crying because you lost an account, like care about that account, there is like so much beauty inside of grief. Right. But we deem it bad. So a lot of the work that I do inside of the coaching and the, and the courses and all that is how do we get really right with our emotions? Yeah. They're, they're not, we're not victim from them, but they are actually help, help fueling us and how we speak and create. Yeah. One of the episodes actually in this first season of the podcast is all around grief at work Mm. because exactly like we are all humans and life is filled with grief because life is filled with love. And if we can't express that grief or hold that grief, or even just acknowledge that grief while we are working immediately, you see like exactly to your point earlier stuff, like we're cutting ourselves off. 
Yeah. Like we're literally compartmentalizing an, an entire piece of ourselves and locking it far, far away. Yeah. Like I'm like, you know how, um, I, they have this in India and I think they have it in a few other, um, cultures as well, but like laughing therapy where people just get together and they laugh. Like, I think we all just need to sit in a room and fucking cry. <laughs> like think yeah. about the saddest oh, thing in your life. Oh my God. And just we all just sit and cry because totally. there is, there is so much hardship that we have all been through individually, but also as a collective, like there's a ton of collective grief at play right now. I have tingles because you know, we are all carrying so much yeah. every day. Yeah. We're, gar- we're carrying a lack of bodily autonomy. We're carrying uh, a lack of gun control. We're carrying a war in Iran. We're co- carrying a war in Ukraine. We're carrying, you know, I could go on and on, but I don't want to depress people yeah. on top of, or within or alongside our own individual griefs. I mean, we're in the third year of a, of a pandemic and whether it's gone away or not, you know, no one's wearing masks anymore. We've gone through it. (laughs) We've gone through it. And we're still dealing with what that unearthed, which is that, you know, these systems don't work for people with children, um, you know, so forth and so on. This is not what this episode is about, but just, I love that idea of just acknowledging emotions yeah. And doing it in a way that's not just like navel gazing and wallowing and, and playing the victim, which I actually hate that phrase because yeah. I think it's bullshit. And I think it's actually made to close people off. Yeah. Um, but acknowledging it as a real part of life and a constructive and productive and beautiful part of life, not just something that makes you less than. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for all the listeners out there, I want to just like encourage them next time they cry, next time you're crying, like, can you let it feel good? Mm. Can you actually let tears be like cleansing of your soul, right? Rather than, oh shit, let me wipe them away really quick, right? Like, can you allow even the sensation of tears to feel good? Oh, and it's a huge reframe. It's a huge, same with getting mad right? There's actually like, you know, uh, we can, there's a lot of pleasure to be had in feeling our feelings if we allowed them to, to be right. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little more? (laughs) Sure. Uh, Let's just go there. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. Um, You don't need to go all the way, maybe like 90%. (laughs) <laughs> everyone's like oh my god what are like, they about where, to get what, into right now go? i'm not actually sure but we'll just go there wherever there takes us well the um, pleasure in in emotion and allowing yourself to feel pleasure like that is also something we are fully disconnected from like we don't very few of us feel any pleasure day to day yeah right because it's like from the moment we wake up we're in a grind and yeah. then by the time we have the moment to slow down, we're so fucking tired. Exactly. And then it's like Netflix scrolling. Yeah, all exactly. It's like, that's the best I can do. Yeah. So how, yeah. what role does pleasure and the pleasure we can tap into through our emotions play in our lives these days? Well, first of all, I would just say like anatomically, women have the capacity to feel two times the amount of pleasure as men. So our bodies. Ooh. 
two times. And so that is a lot, right? Yet it is something that we have pushed aside, not deemed valuable, not like is not seen as a valuable thing in our culture, right? Production and achievement are, Mm -hmm. but not, you know, pleasure and joy. So it's like, oh, it's almost like I see a lot of women and it's pleasure feels like guilty, guilty pleasure. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Like I, who, I don't deserve this. I need to be working hard. I don't deserve to take an hour off of, of work because I can't, because how will I be seen? Right. There's so much mm-hmm. cultural shame around pleasure. Yeah. And so, um, I think it's a huge missed leadership skill for women. Yeah. Right. It's actually our birthright. Mm-hmm. Uh, in another episode, we can get real deep, dark, down and dirty on it. And- oh yeah. That one will be like explicit, explicit, explicit. By the way, we were told if we were like, can we swear? Yeah. And Richard, who is amazing, was like, yes, you can swear, but then we just need to call it explicit. And we're like, okay, naturally this, this podcast will obviously be. <laughs> There's no way we can't. <laughs> yes. That one will, we'll have to mark a little extra heavy on the explicit, but yes, yes, we yeah. should talk about that next time. Yeah. But, but, but part of why, so I'm a pleasure coach as much as I'm an executive coach and I work with women's bodies and help them feel good as much as I help them, you know, kick ass and become unstoppable in their workplace and lives. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I really, they go hand in hand and that's why, you know, what we stand for at line S is really about like, how can we feel good? Because yeah. it's magic. And when we feel good, right. When we are operating our, at our optimal capacity. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, like we can we can go down and however you want to go. Well, it's interesting, right? Because I think pleasure, even the word pleasure. I know. How do you feel when we talk about it? Well, I know you well enough not to feel like this is going to turn into a like sex podcast. Yeah. Because to me, pleasure is so interconnected with just like joy. Yeah. And navigating your day to day in a way that feels light and flowy. And that is something I feel very disconnected from. Like my days don't feel light and flowy. My days feel really hard and like I'm climbing uphill most days. Yeah. And so I just, without getting into like biological pleasure and sexual pleasure. Like how do we tap into things like joy and flow? Like how do we access that aspect of feminine energy to infuse more feminine leadership into leadership? Okay. I want to say a very simple answer based on this big question. Okay. Uh, (laughs) One is, can you start your day with a dance break? Uh Uh-huh. And you get your team like to just for no reason, like celebrate and like decide that this moment is worth celebrating. Uh-huh. Like something as simple as that is fucking radical. Like yeah. imagine if every single day you woke up and danced mm-hmm. and you brought that to your team, like even that. But how insane is it that like even you saying that makes me uncomfortable. I can feel it. I can feel it. You're like, oh, like, uh, like maybe yeah. you can be in the privacy of your home, but then to like ring it. But the crazy thing is like, I used to dance. Like I was a trained, well, Indian classical dances. Yeah. Not like, yeah, I wouldn't say it's the most like bodily dance, but I, that was a massive part of my life, like dance in college, all of that. 
and I just don't do it anymore. Yeah. And the weird thing is like, just you saying, start your day with dance. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. I feel so uncomfortable. I feel so uncomfortable when that was actually a huge part of who I was. Yeah. And so there's these things, right. And we were talking about how even the term self-love everyone's like, oh, self-love and self-care people just like, people are scoffing at these incredibly important, um, aspects of life that we've unearthed through a lot of us doing a lot of that internal work, right? Self-care became a thing because people realized nobody's fucking taking care of themselves. Yeah. And then it got co-opted because hashtag capitalism into like a candle that's self-care or like a fucking smoothie, but even like movement, right? Like there's something that I think it's been assigned this almost cheesy quality. Yeah. But it's such a natural and not taken thing. seriously. Yeah. It's like not considered important. frivolous. Yeah. And so that, and so going on that, yeah, it's like, I even feel like self-care, self-love, you know, it's like, again, I think a leadership skill, Yeah, but doing things like, um, like how you treat yourself, how you treat your body. Like mm. if you were to actually treat your body like a queen, what would that mean? Mm-hmm. Or a king mm-hmm. or some other, some other deity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if you were to look at yourself and see beauty, not flaws, right? Like that's transformation and that's transformation that we can bring into the world, right? So again, like part of this inner work and how we see ourselves and how we treat ourselves and how we deem ourselves super important in the same way that we see the world, right? Like I, you know, I remember early on in, in my own work and like when, especially with clients, that are new to this work, it's like they can see everyone, they can see the beauty in everyone, everyone around them, except for themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So that storyline too is just how we treat ourselves. If we treated ourselves in the way that we treat others, in the way that we see others, mm-hmm. in the grace that we give others. Yeah. Like that has huge, huge possibility for impact and transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So net net. We have an issue that women in leadership are often performing like men. And I think what I've learned from you today, Steph, is that the female energy that we can bring into leadership, the energy of creativity, intuition, flow, connection, nature, pleasure, joy, that is what is missing, not just from like our own individual day-to-day lives, or mine, I suppose, as a female yeah. leader, but also from um, the, the world system. at large. Yeah, and the world at large, like, and, and work, especially, especially, especially work. And when we're in these super creative fields, like advertising, as probably most of the people listening are, these are critical things. Like we are asked to produce creativity. Creativity is our end all be all but we're doing so in a system that completely cuts creativity off. Mm-hmm. And so to, to lead through the feminine actually means whether you, however you identify sexually and from a gender perspective actually means just leading in a way that feels in your body and in your soul and in your mind, like you're leading from yourself, 
like you're leading from a place of openness and um joy and love yes and love and if you do that and you model that because I think one of the biggest things and Steph and I were talking about this quote that I'm going to read really quick but if we model that all of a sudden we are giving people a different way of thinking and doing um there's an amazing quote from Oprah's podcast obviously I'm I'm a big Oprah person Mm. which you will come to learn Mm-hmm. Um, and her conversation with Elizabeth Gilbert, which which basically starts off by saying there are no women represented in the classic Joseph Campbell's hero journey. And the hero's journey is something that is used as a framework to think about so many things, the arcs of television shows, the plots of novels, you know, even in advertising, we use this framework, but it is a framework for men and or masculine energy. It is a framework that prioritizes the masculine. And so Oprah and and Elizabeth Gilbert say, we are the first generation of women that's really been allowed to choose for ourselves and to write our own stories. We are a new species. And the reason we feel half insane is because we don't have what men have. We don't have 30,000 years of role models to show us how to be the hero. We didn't have any until very recently. So it's understandable that women hesitate on the brink of a journey. Mm. And Mm. I think this is such an encapsulation stuff of the work you do is with these women who are hesitating on the brink of their real journeys Mm. Mm -hmm. and how to start to give them the models. And, you know, in your words right now, it's, it's models as in theories and behaviors and actions But ultimately, I think what you and I and many of us hope to create is like actual embodiments of of leaders who are leading in a profoundly different way and who can ultimately shift what leadership means in this world and how it shows up and how everybody is taught leadership. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's, that's a big part of your work. And that is a huge part of my work too. And that is exactly what I want most of these conversations, in fact, on corner office breakdowns um, to elicit is that sort of change that comes from new models. Yeah, absolutely. And just like, you know, not only 30,000 years, we've had thousands and thousands of years where we have been cut off from our own power because of our abilities because of our abilities it didn't make sense to make humans right and so now really does feel like the time for us to do the work for us to step forward together Mm -hmm. and be these models fucking messy as fuck you know be the models that the world needs and is desperate for and that we can build for the generations to come yeah it feels like that's what we're up to yeah all of us yeah Well, thank you so much. I love you. (laughs) I love you. Thank you so much for spending some time today with me and Corner Office Breakdowns. This podcast is such an early morning after work, kids are sleeping, labor of love. And there's nothing I would appreciate more than seeing some love in return. Please like, share, rate, and subscribe to keep this work going. I am so, so, so grateful. 
Until next time. Thank you.